Thank you, Pastor Jade. For this season of Lent, we are beginning a new sermon series, Costly Discipleship, the Hard Sayings of Jesus. For this season, as we journey to Good Friday and Easter, we'll be walking with Jesus through the Gospel of Luke to learn from Jesus how to be more like Jesus. The Bible scholar Aaron Moon puts it this way, Lent reminds us that, yes, we're going to die, but first, we've got to live. So how are we going to do that? Our scripture this morning comes from Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 36. But I say to you that, listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies, do good, and lend expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you, O God, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. An imperative like love your enemies begs the question, who are my enemies? It seems like a strong word, uh, but who are the people you prefer to avoid? The people you don't get along with? The people you think they'd be so much better if they just thought and spoke and acted even a little bit more like you. Who do you dismiss or look down on? Who is hard for you to love, to do good to, to pray for? When it comes to enemies, um, we don't really have to think twice. Our response is more emotional and reflexive than intellectual. If something comes from these folks, we're against it. Whatever they're saying, it's wrong. Whatever they want is bad. Whatever they're doing must be stopped. We carry this attitude to rivals at work, political adversaries, neighbors who bug us, family members who press our buttons. Nothing these people are up to can be good. Yet Jesus says to love our enemies to do good to them, and lend without expecting anything in return. 
He expects us to be merciful and loving to them regardless of how they treat us, to reflect God's kindness and love. Jesus is saying, don't retaliate when they hurt you. Go the extra mile for them. Don't keep score. Treat others the way you want to be treated. This is the golden rule. We learn it as children, but it's easier said than done, especially when we grow up and realizing and realize hating your enemy is much more common than loving them. The problem with hating your enemy is that bitterness and hatred and resentment are like poisonous weeds growing in the garden of Christian life. The problem with hating your enemy is that God is always on the other side of the lines we draw. This first hard saying of Jesus comes from his Sermon on the Mount. Found in Matthew and Luke, this sermon is full of Jesus' most famous teachings. And these teachings turn conventional values upside down. Rather than encourage revenge on those in power or doing what you must to get ahead, Jesus preaches generosity, humility, hospitality, and not putting your faithfulness to God on display. You can imagine the crowd when Jesus is on the mountain preaching such different ideas on things like anger, lust, divorce, telling the truth, not getting revenge, and loving your enemies. There was probably some side-eye glancing at your neighbor, maybe some uncomfortable fidgeting. His audience would have been familiar with who their enemies were. As the Jewish people, their enemies were Samaritans, Romans, other Gentiles who could lead them astray from proper worship of the God of Abraham. So to flip this question, how do you show love to yourself or the people you care about? Maybe you bring them a coffee, you smile at them, you notice when they haven't eaten and make them a snack. You try to understand each other even when you disagree. You ask them for help and you offer to help them. You hope they get home safe and take care of their health and get that promotion they've been working so hard for. If we do this for the people it's easy to love, Jesus says we also have to do these things for our enemies. We have to go beyond who is easy to love. Instead of looking at the enemy thinking, why do you treat me this way? Or how can you think like that? Or what is wrong with you? We should look at them and think, I want you to get home safe. And hear the good news and do well no matter who you are. The title of Costly Discipleship for this sermon series was inspired by Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, The Cost of Discipleship. Bonhoeffer believed Christianity removed from the world's sufferings was cheap grace because it doesn't demand anything from us. To be a Christian is more than attending church on Sunday. Much like Paul writing to the Corinthians, he would have said that we receive the grace of God in vain if we want the forgiveness of God without following Jesus and taking his teachings seriously. 
Bonhoeffer argued, many Christians think the Sermon on the Mount is inspirational but too difficult to live out. But difficult situations are exactly where we decide if we are going to follow Jesus or not. We've received cheap grace if we allow ourselves and our enemy to suffer because we would rather hold on to our pride and our contempt for them than love them. In the Sermon on the Mount, Bonhoeffer says, Jesus addresses his disciples as people who have left all to follow him. He is the Lord of all life and demands undivided allegiance. So we can't half-heartedly follow Jesus, even when he's asking us to love our enemies and turn the other cheek. Jesus isn't talking about loving those who love us or doing good to those who do good to us. That kind of love is easy to feel and it feels good to act on. This kind of love, loving your enemies, is a sacrifice. It's uncomfortable. It's not for payback or a thank you or for praise from people who see you doing it. And this love has to be genuine, not a snarky, bless your heart, or a passive-aggressive attempt to kill them with kindness. It has to be sincere. That might be the hardest part of this commandment, to sincerely love our enemy. We can easily put on a show with our actions. We can perform acts of kindness for someone we don't really like. But to feel honest love for them in our hearts can sometimes feel like it's going to take a miracle. An amazing thing about God's love working through us is the way God helps us to do things we cannot do on our own. Sometimes action precedes belief. We act out of love, and the Spirit works within us until we can honestly say we love them. Dietrich Bonhoeffer also talked about how being disciples of Jesus frees us from political obligation. That the church is a community of believers without political or national ties. When we are asked to think about who is our enemy, we might picture someone with opposing political beliefs. A podcast on being United Methodist Christians has this great story of a conservative and a progressive who hadn't met before, but they attend the same church. And they end up teaming up to deliver meals together every Monday. They disagree on politics, but they agree to love one another and their community with a Christ-like love. Loving your enemies is more than tolerating them. It's committing to doing life together when you would rather have nothing to do with each other. Loving your enemies, um, as Thomas and John David talked about, can turn an enemy into a friend. John Wesley believed salvation comes to us not only in the moment when we first decide to follow Jesus. Our salvation also comes in how we respond to opportunities to grow in grace or to act in a Christ-like way. We have opportunities to grow in grace every day, and the most growth is going to come from the sayings of Jesus that are hardest to follow. When priests compared Christians who follow Jesus' call to costly discipleship 
to individuals who commit to hiking the Appalachian Trail. Stretching over 2,000 miles from Georgia to Maine, these hikers face months of bugs, boredom, risk of injury, heat and cold and rain, sleeping on the ground and eating the same mundane food after day, day after day, because something within them carries them the distance. There's a hunger that supersedes the discomforts. There's a drive to complete the journey that isn't thwarted by obstacles. Their call urges them on. Likewise, we as Christians follow God's call, not because it is the easiest path for us, but because God sends us that way for God's loving, liberating, and life-giving purposes. Our hunger to follow Jesus must supersede the discomfort of loving those it is hardest to love. Love ought to be the source of our thoughts, words, and actions, and not a human, conditional love that only gets extended to our friends and families or the people who can benefit us, but an upside-down, sincere, Christ-like love, even for our enemies. The way of life Jesus calls us to is different and difficult, but it is holy and so rewarding. Jesus says to love your enemies, do good, and lend expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. Loving our enemies rewards us with freedom from bitterness and resentment towards them. Our reward is, is not being weighed down by hurts or wasting our energy keeping score. One year during Lent, a pastor challenged his congregation to think of a person they were holding a grudge or anger or resentment against and forgive that person. And years earlier, one woman in that congregation had gone through a divorce. Her spouse had cheated on her again and again. She had been deeply hurt. As her pastor gave this challenge to forgive, she wondered how she could ever forgive. She struggled with her feelings. Was she ready to release all the pain her spouse had caused her? And finally, she decided, yes, she was going to forgive. And by forgiving him, she wasn't saying that what he did was okay, because it wasn't. And it wasn't easy to forgive. But deciding to give up her feelings of hatred and resentment was a freeing experience. She could move on with her life without the weight of anger she had been carrying around for years. It was so liberating to surrender her hurt and anger to God. Loving our enemies can set us free from these emotional burdens. We're commanded to love our enemies because Jesus loved his enemies. He loved the Pharisees who tried to stop him from preaching and teaching, healing the sick and feeding the hungry. He loved Peter who denied him and the disciples who deserted him and were in those moments his enemies. He loved Judas who betrayed him. The ultimate expression of love and redemption happened on Good Friday. As Jesus loved and forgave even, even the Romans who were crucifying him, 
He forgives even us. If Jesus can love all of these people and we are his followers, what excuse do we have to not love our enemies? Following Jesus demands our wholehearted commitment and unwavering dedication. Jesus challenges us to embrace a life of selflessness, humility, and service, even when it requires great sacrifice or what feels like great sacrifice to us. And we absolutely will not get it right every time. God can still use us and work through our selfish and often unloving hearts. We're going to fail because we are not God. But we can accept God's grace that wants to change us and work through us. Jesus lived and died and rose again to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And we cannot live a Christian life by ourselves, but only with God's help. Bonhoeffer wrote, Obedience to the call of Jesus never lies within our own power. Salvation through following Jesus is not something people can achieve for ourselves. But with God, all things are possible. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, grace us with the ability to sincerely love our enemies. Cleanse us of all our bitterness and hatred and resentment. Give us the courage and humility we need to be your disciples in this way. At the cost of our pride and self-righteousness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.